the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. Indeed, we are. The time is 6.08 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. I have on the line with me one Tom Wong. He is from the Bay Area here. If you guys want to be simultaneous, you may look up Tom Wong at TomWong2022.com. TomWong2022.com. I've had the pleasure of talking with Tom briefly a few times as he has uh, visited our community at Grace in Hayward uh, recently, and uh, and Tom is running for a governing board member of Hayward Unified School District. I just want to kind of just take a little bit of what he has on his uh, on the front page of his website, which is very impressive. I'm just going to start, Tom, with who am I? Who is who is Tom Wong? He was born and grew up in a sparse San Francisco Chinatown home, but one that was rich in character, tradition, and love. As a son of immigrants, my family values were those of character, dedication, hard work, compassion, and inspiration, the values I think most of us share today as well. I was blessed with a great education in our public schools, Skyline College, uh, uh, an AA degree, administration of justice, also elected student body officer, um, uh, and then ultimately Utah Valley Univer- University, Aviation Administration, University of North Dakota, unmanned aircraft systems, campus ambassador. I also am certified as a California police officer, uh, standard training instructor and FEMA terrorism first responder. Great. I love all that. I worked entry level jobs to support myself through school, including security guard, janitor, rideshare driver and truck driver. My hard work earned me the chance to be an entrepreneur, there it is, let's drill down into it, and an instructor resulted in the establishment, ownership, and daily operation of a successful small business. Throughout my career, I mentored minority at-risk youth and parents. I thrive on solving complex problems, communicating in everyday language, and helping others achieve their potential. Bought a home in Hayward, this is where I plan to start my family. My neighbors immediately welcomed me, and I felt a small town, small town sincerity. I fell in love with the people of Hayward. They have strong family values and look out for each other. I am proud and blessed to live here and have modest have a modest piece of the American dream. I want to contribute to this great community by being your voice on the Hayward School Board. Tom, welcome. I want to welcome you to our Monday edition of Lifeline. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. Thank you for welcoming me to your show. I'm doing well with yourself. I'm good, man. I, I I got a chance to look at um, your bio here and some of the things that you are saying. Um, I, I like the fact that you're from the Bay Area here and, 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 and made your way through what I call the meritocratic principles of hard work leads to success. Uh, something that, you know, our society needs to 
uh, have uh, reminded to them on so many levels, to say the least, uh, in our school district, and, and Hayward is fine. I, I you know, I, I, I uh, Hayward, Oakland, Castro Valley, Fremont, all these areas need really good men and women to represent and to guide and direct us up out of some of the mire that is taking place in our schools. And so, I want to just kind of open the floor for you to share with us what you see going on, and what do you think the uh, solutions are to them. So you can have the floor. We will probably take a break in about four minutes. I'll, I'll let you know, and then we'll come back and unpack this even more. So what's your thoughts? Okay. Thank you. Yeah, when I first looked into the school board, I was wondering, I was like, what can I do? What can I do for the community, and uh, how can I best serve the community? And I looked into the school board, and the deeper I dive into it, the more I, I'm finding out that it is really messed up. Yeah. We, the, the, the Hayward School Board takes in over $300 million annually, but yet the proficiency rate is only at 35%. We are robbing our kids of their future, their ability to read a job application, to write a resume, or even count money. Yep. That is a disservice to the taxpayers. That is unconscionable what we're doing to our kids. And I believe I have the skills, the knowledge, the wisdom, uh, the, the drive to actually turn the, the Hayward school system around and make this uh, school system one of the best top-tier schools in the nation. That being the case, let me ask you in terms of just uh, uh, being repulsed by the condition of the Hayward School District, because you know we could actually evaluate the Oakland School District, the Fremont School District, and other districts. They're not necessarily, uh, well, the Oakland School District is just as bad. Um, but we can look at other school districts, even in San Francisco and abroad, and we can see the same kind of deleterious uh, results of those who are on the board mismanaging the money, as well as um, just uh, coexisting with poor proficiency levels on the part of our children, like you said, not even able to fill out applications, let alone um, uh, uh, navigate fundamental uh, uh, academic uh, disciplines. Um, and there are a ton of things that I think, uh, Tom, uh, play into that. So how would you, if you were able to uh, arrive at your destiny and become the governing board member of the Hayward School District, what would what would be the thing that you would be wanting to, to prioritize? It's uh, accountability mm-hmm. and making sure that the parents' voice are heard and the children are protected. And to start with that is the accountability is we need to be accountable for every penny that's being spent. We have a fiduciary responsibility to do that and to uh, get a, to give these outrageous salaries and bonuses and contracts for consultants to look for consultants. It's just waste of taxpayer money. That money could be better spent on the schools, on teachers, on special need uh, classrooms, special need teachers. Uh, so I will be prioritizing. I'll be looking at this like an NTSB investigation. I will look yeah. at the inside factor, the outside factor, and I will break it all down, and we will find where uh, we failed, and I will fix it and prevent it from happening again. 
Now, let me ask you a question about that. I, I, I agree. It would just be obvious that the fiduciary responsibility accountability factor um, is something with which the uh, all board members of all of the school districts should be aware that they are um, having to give an account of. Um, how would that how does when you use the term inside and outside uh, the resources being applied uh, and directed towards things that can things that can substantially uh, correct the problems uh, in, 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 in the Hayward School District. Um, how would that help uh, parents in relationship to their children so that the children can get the highest quality education out of the schools? In what way would you oh, be able yeah. to help the parents? What was that? My position to actually bring the community together. This yes. is a community, the school is a community. We need to bring them together. And uh, parents or seniors who have time and that could mentor or uh, help with after school programs, I'm more than welcome them on, on board to the HUSD and to help guide and help uh, the young minds to a better future. So yeah. part of it is, is establishing a community relations, uh, being part of the community, having ownership. I want the children there to have ownership of their community and have pride in their school. So right now it's it's pretty bleak at their future, but I want to bring in mentorship. I want to bring in people who have lived and have experience and to actually guide them and be that uh, supporting, loving, nurturing, nurturing uh, mother figure or the the, the father figure that they are so yearning for. But bring sports back for competition, bring music for, for their uh, intellectual minds. So all that comes in play. I will make this a community uh, and Hayward will be thriving when I do this. Now we're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll pick up right there. I got some questions for you. We will be right back after this short break. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 622. We're just talking about the condition of our schools. And we're talking with Tom Wong, who is uh, putting his, casting his hat into the fray for for being a governing board member of the Hayward Unified School District. Um, Having the opportunity to listen to these different uh, local persons born and raised here who have uh, emerged to want to try to do something to solve our problems um, is is what America is about. It's what free speech is about. It's what is what public farms are about. You, you as we are moving towards the election, hopefully we'll be able to get more uh, more candidates to um, voice their opinions so you guys can make informed decisions as well. One of the reasons why I definitely wanted to just have a conversation about it with with both people who are running and just those of you who are out there who are part of the school district. We we know that one of the problems that has occurred, and this is what I want to ask you, Tom, while we're in this segment, is that often there is such a disconnect between uh, the school board uh, and and the parents that 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 gap being bridged creates a liability because of one, like you stated earlier, we all know this, a lack of accountability. So there's measures of wastefulness 
and misdirected use of funds that come out that that ultimately result in um, low uh, proficiency rates, low uh, performance, low uh, low achievement. And and again, I want to just kind of have you to um, expand on the idea of engaging. Uh, parents and students to become, you know, uh, partakers of the solving of the problem of our Oakland schools. Can you do that of our of our public schools? Uh, sure. Yeah, the part of it is that um, the, the school board has to be reminded that they are an elected official. They work for the people. The people who have elected them. And in Hayward, it's one hundred ninety thousand residents. They work for the people. All 190,000 of them, uh, whether it be documented or undocumented, they work. Once they're elected official, they represent the community, right? At, uh, in whole, not in part, right? So they do not work for any special interests, any union groups, any organizations. They work for the people who elected them, and they have to account for their actions. And with that being said, you know, if the community wants. Uh, things done a certain way, it is in their best interest to uh, listen and see if it's in compliance. And if it's in compliance, then they can act upon, the board can act upon it. If it's not, then the board will have to use reasons or other resources to say, hey, there's a better way to doing something. So they are basically, they should be the checks and balance. They are the administrators, uh, making sure that, that the school is functioning properly and yet uh, taking in uh, the concerns of the, the community. That, that's what needs to be done, and that's what's really lacking. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I agree with you. Having raised kids in the public school systems, we had to really navigate where we would put our kids. And for a long time, we've noticed the uh, challenges in the Hayward School District as well as the Oakland School District and, and others. And it does seem like to me that there has to be um, s- some very uh, serious efforts in bringing together parents, children, and the board members to try to solve the problem and uh, and make sure that you know there is a uh, development uh, of of efficiency and proficiency in the schools. Uh, f- if if California is going to kind of get back on the map of being a, a leading state in uh, education, uh, can you can you just give us your uh, your website and 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 uh, just maybe a, a minute or two again of, of you know what you're trying to do? I'm sure um, that people are listening and are concerned. And uh, let me see here. Uh, election day is Tuesday, November eighth. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Is there anything that people need to do preliminary to that to put themselves in a position where they can be more informed about the issues of the um, Hayward School District or um, what can they do to uh, get to know you better? Uh, They can get to know me better by visiting my website at uh, TomWong2022.com. I have a uh, um, live banner on top that will tell people where I'm going to be. Uh, we're going to hold more town halls and answer more of the public's question. I, I believe in uh, open dialogue with the, yeah. with the people that I want to serve. And hopefully in the future we'll be serving. I want to continue that dialogue. I want to continue that relationship with the people of Hayward. Uh, the, what I plan for the school district is to turn it around using uh, unconventional techniques. So that means that we are going to try what is 
being done now seem to have uh, lost its luster or lost its ability. So we're going to try other uh, other ways, um, saving the schools maybe by using a public-private partnership, not necessarily like a, a full private uh, selling off property, but a, a public-private partnership uh, in uh, renting out the schools to keep the, the community um, serviced. Uh, other things that people can do too is follow what's going on in the school district in uh, the board meetings. Just last Wednesday, the board just approved a waiver to move forward to selling up to 12 properties. Two, two of the schools are closed, six of them are on the chopping block, four properties. That's a total of 12 properties. I believe Hayward has 30 properties. And that's a third of the school district. Yep. And they could sell it without notifying the public or having public comment. They could sell it for less than uh, market value, which is, could be down to a dollar, and the sale commission and bonus can be kept a secret. So I urge the residents of Hayward to actually follow the school district because they are robbing us blind. And this, that is not acceptable to me. I want to be, uh, I want to be the person that stops this from moving forward. Uh, people will lose jobs when you close the school. The teachers will lose their jobs. Administrators will lose their jobs. So this is unconscionable what the current board is doing. So I will do my best and I need everybody's support after I become a board member to come to the meetings to support me because the more you support me, the more I get to push back on the lunacy that, that's going on. And I want to make sure that your tax dollars are being spent wisely. Listen, um, obviously, you know, our program is a pl public platform, so we're not here to endorse anybody, but we are here to open the door for conversation uh, and, and, and voicing the concerns of the public to whom we do ministry here. And I thank you for your time, Tom, and uh, the best uh, for you in that endeavor, because the children are what matters to all of us who are parents and, and uh, taxpayers. And uh, again, for those of you who are interested, you can just start pursuing uh, Tom at TomWong2022.com. Do your part to make sure your neighborhoods are healthy, your schools are healthy, um, and, and so society can uh, get back on a proper footing because uh, it, it takes everybody's involvement for those things to occur. Tom, thank you for your time, my friend. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. All right, we're going to take a break when we come back, and we we will be having other other um other other people uh, on as well as we move towards November, just to hear what they have to say as well. Um, we're going to take a break when we come back on the other side of the break. We're going to get back into our Q and A and our questions. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Remember, you are in the world. If you're a child of God, that means you can't hide. You can't be indifferent. You can't run. But you're not of the world. That means you don't bow down to Caesar. Your goal as a child of God is to be salt and light and do something about it. It's the reason why you're here. We will be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. Time is 635 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, one 367 Three lines open, one 367 We can continue our conversation about all things that pertain to life. 
Let's go to line number one and talk with Dreema. And uh, since she's back, Dreema, are you there? Good evening, Pastor Jesse. I hope you can hear me okay. My phone is known to be in a bad area here where it gets blocked. So I hope you can hear me clearly. You are speaking very clearly, my dear. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm great. Thank you so much. And I just wanted to say, I want to say ditto to the earlier caller, Stephen, uh, in regards to, uh, you know, your teachings are really, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, God has blessed you. And and your study is just brings it down to where I can understand it and, 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 and pull from it and grow. And and I am so thankful to God that in his grace that he has allowed me to uh, be a member of your church and Amen. you're in the wonderful body there. So I wanted to say that first and foremost. Thank you. And, and I also wanted to agree with him that uh, it's very difficult, I find. Well, I don't know if difficult's the word, but um, it stresses me at times uh, because um, you want to uh, speak in love uh, to individuals, whether, um, you know, it's your Christian friends, family, or just folks that you're, you know, blessed to meet along the way in life. And um, everything seems to be regardless if you're talking to Christian or your Christian friends and stuff, their, their response seems to go to political yeah. uh, more, more than, you know, what God would have us do, um, you know, to speak, um, you know, um, in love and, and in, in whatever talent or insight that God has given us at that point in our life. Cause I know, you know, uh, sometimes I stumble, uh, but um, it, it's just, uh, I find it difficult for me because I, you know, look up to some of my uh, older uh, Christian friends and different things and even the churches in the past that I've went to and I go to their websites and see what they're preaching and um, it's stressful to see that uh, it's really somewhat empty, you know what I mean? It's really just uh, no growth there. There's no insight. It's just gobbledygook a lot of it. I'm sorry to say that, but that's true. um, It's true. It's true, Dreama. Um, it's really true. And we have to wake up to the reality um, that uh, we're not producing good Christians uh, in terms of a healthy worldview uh, and health in terms of biblical thinking. And we're not producing good Christians who are bold to have the conversation. Right. Everybody has been trained over the last 40 or 50 years in America to avoid politics and religion. And that's an that's an integrity factor, because, as you know, the two most important things in the lives of Americans is uh, is politics and religion. So how can we talk about uh, ever having a substantial unity when we're afraid to have conversations about our views uh, and we're going to get offended and fall apart if somebody doesn't agree with us? And, and we don't know how to create a context in which we can share our views and and hope for um, a, a discernment as to what constitutes uh, a more accurate uh, opinion or assessment of matters. Yeah. In other words, we have come into a place where relativism is pervasive everywhere. You have your truth. I have my truth. He has his truth. And all of that avoids the tough issues of saying, but what does the Bible really say about this behavior, that behavior, that conduct, 
that activity, that worldview. What does the Bible really say? And because we can't get to that question as the premise for serious conversation, like you said, politics is always the left is here, the right is there, and the twain can never come to a point of agreement. And that right. becomes sad. It becomes a very sad scenario. And it, and it makes for shallow Christians. Christians are shallow when they are more political than they are um, spiritual believers that that carry the quality of, of God in terms of his love and light and uh, and and, uh, and patience with us and willingness to go deep with us in terms of the wisdom of scripture. We got to find a way to stay in the game, though. We can't be um, overly discouraged. And, and I hope you're not, because I mean, like, you know, we're in, in these ages where I think, well, Steve did say he had, uh, had grandchildren, so he probably is where we are. Um, we're, we have to be relevant. We, we, can't, we can't be the grandma, grandpa over in the corner living in a cloudy, uh, uh, futuristic uh, uh, sort of notion of a pie in the sky escape and, and not have relevant conversation about what's going on in our world from a biblical perspective. I think we need to stay in the game, uh, notwithstanding how difficult it is. Know that one of the um, things that I'm thankful for is uh, that the the Lord gives me uh, strength now that I'm older because I've got to admit that I was very lazy and just played church, as you sometimes say, um, refer to, and didn't even realize that I was playing church really t- sometimes. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Right. And I can remember back now that um, in 1982 to 87 time frame, I was working as the Naval Training Officer on Treasure Island. And I, I remember uh, uh, one of the co-workers, two of the co-workers who were obviously one uh, was a gay man and one was a lesbian and very nice uh, people. I loved working with them. And yeah. they had come back, I guess, from the weekend of that and, and, and started to try to interact with me about, hey, Dream, and I just said to them very politely, um, you know, we work together well. I like you very much, but please don't enter me into this conversation because you won't uh, like my response. Yes. Um, and that was wrong probably for me, but I was not strong enough, Pastor, in my in my ability to speak God's truth in love that I think I would have mangled it up. But um, I, I'm reading a book now by um, Eric uh, Matoxa, I think that's how he says his name, yep, Letter Matatis. to the American Mat- Church. Matatis, yep. I know, I know which one you're reading. Go ahead on. And that is just, it's just absolutely imperative, uh, you know, uh, when he compares it to the German church in the 1930s, how silent they were in the face of evil and everything, and that now the question is whether we, the American church, are, uh, you know, on our time are going to be guilty of the same silence, uh, because as a grandmother, uh, I, I trust God, but at the same time, you know, I don't want my children, my grandchildren to go through some of the trials and tribulations and foolishness that I've done. I mean, right. isn't that what we're supposed to do, you know, to help the people, you know, in front of us by sharing what we've learned and what 
we've been given by God's grace, uh, because right is right. And, and even individuals that I don't agree with uh, out in the political sphere and out in the public sphere, the so-called famous people, uh, even they are on some of their, like, I think there's that guy, uh, uh, Russell uh, Brand. I mean, that guy, I don't know what his beliefs are, but even he has got a really good uh, YouTube channel uh, where he even is questioning all these different things. So even people that may not yet have, you know, accepted Jesus and understand what he did for us, even they, and I'm thankful that even they are speaking up because they have a loud voice out to the millions. So I just want to thank you for continuing to uh, keep us uh, thinking and, and doing independent of, of you know constructive thinking pastor and yes. you have a great rest of your day yeah you too thank you it's so good to hear from you i'm glad you're doing well it's really true um i could talk at length about the uh chain of uh, voices that are speaking clear and speaking well and we do have something in common there is a desire on the part, and sometimes these are atheists, I can tell you, uh, all things James Lindsay. If you really want to get a great insight as to the roots and fundamentals of Marxism, he does an excellent yeoman's job, James Lindsay, with uh, new discourses. Uh, as you were just talking about, you're talking about Mr. Um, uh, our, our Indian brother there, Dreamer. He has a platform and hundreds of thousands listen to him. He has some discernment and he is able to also be critical about areas that are substantial to our freedom and our right of existence. Um, he, he would be, uh, a, you know, one that we would want to bring to a saving knowledge of Christ, but it doesn't mean that they don't have insights in areas in which we have common values and common agreement. And, and we would want that. We don't want to live in a world where, um, where uh, everybody uh, has to agree with us. We want to live in a pluralistic society where evangelism has relevance. That is to say, we want the gospel to be communicated to men and women because it brings them to that solution that if they were to see it as a solution, it would prepare them for glory and make them better in this life, hopefully as well. But we've got a big task as Christians of overcoming our superficiality, indifference and incapacity to engage people at the public level across these different disciplines and show them where God is relevant in it. And so uh, keep growing in grace, keep growing in the knowledge of the Lord. When we come back from the break, I'm going to try to do one thing, and that is maybe answer another call. But I'm going to read John MacArthur's uh, open letter to Gavin Newsom. And I want you to hear what I mean by being a prophetic voice, a prophetic voice in our world. And not just a silent, capitulating, see no evil, hear no evil, do no evil um, metaphor. That is not what we're called to be. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed we are. And we are headed to line number three to talk with Elisa from Burlingame on line number three. Elisa, are you there? Yes. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Elisa. What's going on? I, I listened to um, the Men's Theology 2018, and where you're talking about celebrating Halloween, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just wondering how you navigate that with your friends when you've been celebrating. I mean, not for me, but their kids when you've been celebrating it. Not celeb- I guess it's called celebrating, but yeah, no, celebrating. Your no, frame it a little life. bit. For- 
Yeah. Frame it a little bit. Um, frame it a little bit like un- presently your kids are grown. So, you know, you don't you're not right. uh, engaging in it. But are you guys being celebratory around Halloween just kind of as adults or is this something you're worried about uh, concerning friends and the kids and all of that? Well, it's both. So I'm obviously not going to do it now because I have, you know, my husband and I are on the same page with what it's about. Right. And it's just so our neighborhood, it's a big celebratory process here. And then my friend's kids and then my kids talking to them about what it means when you celebrate Halloween. Right. Um, and and then I have friends that are divorced and how they're going to navigate once they listen to this theology class on what what it means to actually deliver your kids to Moloch. Yeah. By celebrating it. Right. And uh, it, it just, I've been, I listened to it on Saturday and I just, I'm kind of just, I listened to it a couple of times. And, and then with your message on Sunday, it's kind of, we've been offering our kids up to the beast yeah. and not even knowing it. Right. And how do we help our friends that have ex-husbands that are not believers Right. to not, I don't know if you have any, any you know, I, to, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. So, um, these are the same kind of complex issues that we are confronted with as believers across so many different things, you know that, where we do have to stand for truth. And if we don't, we have compromise, and and we do. People just don't wanna be biblical. Um, So you you have in Christian communities, justification for doing Halloween, just don't do witches and goblins and demons and Dracula and all that. Uh, Try to do, you know, good angels and good people and, and stuff like that. So there is a modality on the part of the Christian community where they, they try to take the um, dark side of Halloween out and try to put in a kind of a substitute where um, is celebratory in the sense of good characters, kids wearing costumes that represent the Apostle Paul or Mary or Hannah, et cetera, et cetera. They got all that going on. That's kind of your positive approach to um, opposing Halloween versus just abstaining. So there are almost always three ways to deal with a thing, replace it. That's called replacement theology. So some churches do that. I think that that's dangerous, quite frankly, because it still just kind of puts you close to the fire. Um, uh, quite frankly, <clears throat> if we are defined by excitement, which we shouldn't be, but we often are, um, secular activities often are more exciting because they're more edgy and they are more uh, fantasy oriented than than Christian uh, worldviews and Christian practices. So you'll have some Halloween stuff, uh, and they would they would call it call it Hallowed Day, something like that, because hollow actually means holy, really. And uh, and they would find a way to Christianize it. That's called replacement theology. The second one is to reduce. Um, your position down to um, basically 
uh, abstaining where like for us, you know, we don't we don't open the door. We don't give the kids candy. We don't we don't participate in what we know could be a danger. As you know, many years now, there have been occasions where the kids have gotten candy and it's been poisoned or toxic or uh, razor blades in it because there, there is real evil. People don't know that there is a real element of evil that goes on in our world directly in worship of Satan, in worship of witches, in worship of demons. You know this. And the wealthy people are engaged in it at levels in which the naive middle class, middle class people don't even realize that there are legitimate Satan worshipers, uh, devil worshipers, witches who celebrate these holidays. And these holidays have bumped up against ignorant Christians and they don't know what to do about it. So the second modality is basically saying, uh, we, you know, we don't believe that this uh, is something that we should practice as Christians. And then you kind of leave everybody to make their own make their own choices. The third one is getting informed, really having a good historical knowledge of the origins of Halloween, the different pathways it has taken historically around the world. Uh, the dark connections of Halloween with white witchcraft, black witchcraft, etc., and and of course, definitely its secularism and uh, and materialistic components, and then the just plain celebrating of the Gordy dead stuff because that's what it does. It's just Gordy, uh, gory dead stuff that they celebrate, which you and I know that as Christians, our goal is to celebrate life and celebrate light and celebrate truth. And having that congregate a conversation with your loved ones can be difficult. But you know, Elisa, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to learn how to be bold enough and confident enough in Christ to share it without uh, going beyond uh, that charity, speaking the truth and love and harming. So I'm really glad for your sensitivity. I'm very glad that you're bringing it up because it's going to come up on this program every week as we move towards uh, Halloween, as it always does. And, and, And we talk just like this about it. Obviously, if you want to, we can pick up on this tomorrow night and spend some more time talking about strategies on how to share uh, with with people that want to do a better job of dealing with it going forward, how to do that. Because I think it's a per case scenario, too. I think every case is individual and every case needs to be dealt with sensitively. But at the same time, we have to be, be committed to wanting to promote the truth with our loved ones. So thank you for that question. Uh, and we can we can, again, we can talk about it real soon. OK. All right, that's it for our program. I did want to read John MacArthur's uh, presentation. I will certainly do it next week because it's going to be relevant. Again, the church is called to be prophetic and priestly. It's not called to compromise, syncretize, ecumenize, and certainly not give up the light of the world, which is Christ. And I thank John MacArthur for being bold enough, even at his age, with all the success he's had in ministry, to tell it like it is. It's a lengthy discourse that puts all Christians on notice that our job and our privilege is to speak to kings. One minute. And all that are in authority, what the word of God has to say about them being servants of the one true and living God and that their job is to promote good and to punish evil. It is not 
to punish good and promote evil. This is where the church fails as well when it buys into a blanket overgeneralized interpretation to simply submit to your authorities. The Bible says way more than to simply submit to your authorities. It is to challenge those authorities to do the right thing. Um, Again, thank you for joining us. Until next time, uh, I will render the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Lord, be gracious unto you. The Lord give you his peace. In the name of his darling son, Jesus the Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.